Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm M.L. Schultze, reporter and retired digital editor for 89.7 WKSU. And I'm pleased to be here to moderate today's debate between the two candidates for Attorney General of Ohio, Democrat Steve Dettelbach and Republican Dave Yost. The Ohio Attorney General is the chief legal officer for the state of Ohio. Today we'll hear from both candidates on why they believe they deserve your vote. Here's how the debate's gonna flow. We'll start with questions from me and then move to questions from the audience. Candidates will have 90 seconds to respond to the questions directed at him. The other candidate will have 60 seconds for a rebuttal. For questions that are directed to both candidates, each will have 90 seconds to respond. We will work diligently to ensure equal speaking time for both candidates. Throughout the debate, candidates will be notified that they have 15 seconds remaining and when their time is up and I get to enforce that. <laughs> a little about our candidates. Democratic candidate Steve Dettelbeck was a federal prosecutor for years before being appointed U.S. Attorney for Ohio's Northern District of Ohio in 2009. He resigned in 2016 and went into private practice with Baker Hostetler. He received his Bachelor of Arts degree from Dartmouth College and his law degree from Harvard University School of Law. Republican candidate Dave Yost is the 32nd Auditor of Ohio. He began his career as a reporter for the Columbus Citizen Journal, then practiced law with Berkham, Yost, and Fuller in Delaware before being elected to city council as county auditor and as county prosecutor for Delaware County. He received his Bachelor of Arts from the Ohio State University and his law degree from Capital University Law School. Given that this debate is limited to one hour, we ask that you hold your applause except for two occasions. At the end, when we close the debate, and right now, as we welcome our two candidates, Steve Dettelbach and Dave Yost. We'll begin with opening statements from the two candidates. A coin toss earlier today determined that Steve Dettelbach will go first. And with that, let's begin. Columbus is fundamentally broken. The system in State House Square, that little six square block area, is one where the interests of donors and special interests get priority. And too often, ordinary Ohioans are not having their basic needs taken care of. And because of that, as a state, we are suffering. We have an opioid crisis that is spiraling out of control. We had a charter school scandal where for-profit charter schools took hundreds of millions of dollars that were supposed to be for our kids. They went to just a few people. And with respect, Mr. Yost can't fix that problem because he's been part of it. Mr. Yost, for instance, was one of five people in the entire state of Ohio out of 11.5 million who redistricted the state. It was he who sat in rooms in secret meetings with other people and gerrymandered the state, drew district lines to help party bosses instead of the people of Ohio. Now our government doesn't work, it doesn't function right, it doesn't fix the problems we needed to fix. And he didn't speak out against ECOT, that corrupt online charter school, he spoke for them. Three times at their graduation while they were stealing hundreds of millions of dollars from Ohio's children. We need a change. We need something new to help clean up Columbus and get our state back on track. I'm not a career politician, I am a career prosecutor. And as U.S. Attorney, I did both hard cases and big cases. I did big cases, I took on terrorism. I took on drug companies that were breaking the rules and I took on human trafficking. But I also put myself in harm's way to take on the hard cases, the tough cases. That means I did public corruption work and I did it involving Democrats and Republicans. A lot of Christmas card lists in Northeast Ohio have my name crossed out 
because of that. But that's the job, and that's what we need Ohio's next attorney general to do. We need an outsider to make things better for Ohio. Thank you very much to the City Club. I look forward to the debate. Mr. Yost? Well, Steve, I'll add you to my Christmas card list if it makes you feel better. Thank you. Um, look, I, I, uh, my dad was a truck driver, and uh, I'm very proud of my parents. They saved their money and bought their own truck and built a company uh, over their entire lives uh, that created jobs and put people to work. It's good to be here in Northeast Ohio where they say nothing is given, everything is earned. And I relate to that because that's the way I grew up. I worked my way through uh, law school. I worked my way through undergrad. Uh, went home to practice in my hometown with, uh, and raised my family. Ultimately became the prosecuting attorney in that county for eight years. Received threats. Uh, did tough cases, sat with the victims of sexual abuse. And that became the auditor's state, the chief accountability officer of Ohio for state and local governments. And we'll talk about that record. I'm very proud of it, very proud of my team. To date, uh, their work has led to 170 criminal convictions. And some of those were up here in Northeast Ohio. Some of them were in the Mahoning Valley. Uh, like the mayor of Niles, who is now doing 10 years on public corruption case. It was put together over two years by my investigative team and my auditors. Or the 105-count indictment against the uh, former mayor of Youngstown and his crooked finance director and the rich, uh, the rich uh, developer. The fact of the matter is those crimes that my office investigated all arose on Steve Dettelbach's watch. He was the United States Attorney. He had the full resources of the federal government behind him, and he did nothing. It fell to the Auditor of State to bring those people to justice. Proud of my record. We're going to talk about it over the next 50 minutes. Thank you very much. The first question will go to you, Mr. Dettelbeck, and this is one to both of you. So each of you will have 90 seconds. You have a lot of disagreements over what the auditor's office under Mr. Yost did, could have, and should have done about the online charter school ECOT. Please outline your position and explain what, as attorney general, you can do to increase the chances of recovering $80 million from the now defunct school. Four years ago, Mr. Yost stood on this stage, this very stage, asked for people's votes to be auditor, and the subject of ECOT came up. I saw the video. And Mr. Yost talked like he did just now about how he was going to take on people who cheated. Two months later, after he won the election, Mr. Yost, he took care of ECOT. He didn't take them on. He received three max-out checks from ECOT donors for his transition fund at the same time as a whistleblower had come forward and he was conducting an investigation. Then he closed the investigation. He didn't ask for the key login records that showed that ECOT was cheating the people of Ohio. And then after that, even after that, he went back again and was the graduation speaker at the ECOT commencement ceremony. You can't take money from somebody while you're investigating them. You just can't. And you can't take credit for other people's work. You're lying about all those convictions. Those are 11 of those cases were cases we did that you had nothing to do with, Mr. Yost. You know, ECOT, I, I've supervised a lot of prosecutors in my career, a lot of investigators. There's people who make cases and there's people who make excuses. And if you had spent as much time and effort trying to actually hold ECOT, your donors, accountable instead of making excuses about why you couldn't do anything, the people of Ohio, the children of Ohio wouldn't be sold out. Time. Mr. Yost, again, your position and what you would do to increase the chances of recovering $80 million. Well, first of all, Steve's uh, narrative is simply wrong. And he's got, he's spent over a million dollars so far on a TV ad claiming I stopped an investigation. I didn't. We got those login records. We reported it. And the so-called whistleblower had, uh, was alleging a violation of the 105-hour rule, which we investigated thoroughly, and we published our report on it. He's just simply wrong. 
The fact of the matter is, it's my office that pushed for charter school reform. It's my office that sent ECOT to the federal and state prosecutors for review for potential criminal charges, and that investigation remains ongoing. I started looking at charter school abuses when nobody in my party wanted me to back in 2013. We did unannounced head counts and published the results showing the damning details that some rogue charter operators were claiming money for kids that simply weren't there. We found one school in Youngstown that had zero kids the day we looked at it. We went back the next year and we published the results again. It was the basis for my push for House Bill 2, which was finally passed over the objection of many of my party uh, in 2016. To the contrary, I've been the guy who led the fight for accountability for charter schools. I'm proud of our team's record, and we will continue the fight in the Attorney General's office. I'm going to make another pass at the second part of the question for both of you. Sure. <laughs> what can you do as Attorney General to maximize the chances of recovering $80 million? So, uh, no, look, we'll go oh, first to Mr. Yost. Sorry. Time. Go ahead. And, no, go ahead. So the, uh, the fact of the matter is there's a lawsuit that's currently pending, uh, and I think that that uh, complaint probably needs to be reformed. Uh, since I expect to be the Attorney General, I'm not uh, terribly excited about uh, putting my discovery plan uh, and my legal strategy out on the street for opponents to, uh, to uh, be able to take a look at and, and plan for. Uh, it's not the way... Uh, good lawyer practices, frankly, through press release. But I will say that I believe that there are additional grounds. I believe that Mr. Lager uh, should be held personally liable, and I will use the tools at the disposal of the Attorney General's office to push not only for recovery of assets, uh, but for recovery of assets from the founder of ECOT personally. Mr. Dittleback? You call yourself the Chief Accountability Officer, but with respect, Mr. Yost, the one person you don't hold accountable is yourself. You are the reason that these people weren't caught, flat out. Now, what we should do going forward, first of all, with respect, it's not the right question. These people stole $200 million by overbilling the state of Ohio, right? $200 million is gone or more. If it was intentional, we should have a criminal investigation. The AG's office under the Organized Crime Commission should be part of it, and these people should go to jail. That's what we should be doing. Look, when a person robs a bank, and I know this as a prosecutor, and they think the worst thing that's ever going to happen is maybe they'll have to give the money back, guess what? They rob more banks. No wonder all the charter schools are stealing from the state of Ohio. They know you have their back, and nobody's going to step up and do something about it. I'm a prosecutor. I know how to do this case. I can do it, and I will. Okay, the next question goes to you, Mr. Dettelbeck. Given the ongoing opioid crisis, you've both talked about the need for changes in the criminal code regarding charging and sentencing in drug cases. You've also both opposed issue one, a state constitutional amendment that lessens penalties in many drug cases. If that fails, what would you, as Attorney General, do to change the charging and sentencing structure? Well, to me, this is something I spent a lot of time and effort on. And you're right that me and Mr. Yost have both announced that we're voting against issue one. But we have different backgrounds and bring different things to this debate. So I, myself, I've been endorsed by the Fraternal Order of Police. And I believe that we have to put the people of Ohio first. And that's what I did as U.S. Attorney. I'm the one who's taken on drug companies, sued them for hundreds of millions of dollars. Mr. Yost, in this election, has taken money from pharmaceutical companies. And we have to hold people accountable, and we have to develop a plan that makes sure that we're attacking the opioid crisis from all three perspectives, from enforcement, from prevention, and treatment. I compare it to a three-legged stool that we have. Uh, where we actually have to have all of the legs equal, right? If one is too long, if one is too short, the stool falls over. Yes, we need to do enforcement. Yes, we need to do treatment. Yes, we need to do prevention, all of the above. But I've worked on those problems. There are people here in the audience. Uh, we have Aaron Marks, 
who was from Recovery Resources, Steve Soroka, I put together a heroin and opioid task force which was recognized around the country for doing this kind of work. We have to make sure addicts aren't being put in jail just because they're addicts, and we have to make sure that pharmaceutical companies and others are held accountable for making sure they help clean up this mess. Okay. Mr. Yost, what would you do? Well, I would start by uh, doing all the things within the power of the Attorney General's office to support local police and uh, prosecutors, which mostly comes out of the Bureau of uh, the BCINI. But the fact of the matter is there's big things that need to be done that aren't under the control of the Attorney General's office. We need to rationalize the criminal code so that it's no longer a felony offense in Ohio to be an addict. We also need to take drug dealers off the street, not put them on probation. And we need to change the way we think and deliver our uh, treatment. We can't uh, treat our way out of this any more than we can arrest our way out of it. But speaking of that opioid task force and my opponent, uh, in 2009, opioid uh, overdoses were at 5.9 per 100,000. By 2015, when he left office after all of his hard work, they had increased to 24.7. It quadrupled under his watch. Uh, that's a heck of a job, Brownie. The fact of the matter is that uh, a committee isn't going to get the job done. It takes hard, detailed work. And I understand state law. I understand where it falls down on the job and what we need to do to be able to address this full on and I'll get it done. Okay, these are questions individually. The first one is to you, Mr. Yost, which means then you have 60 seconds to respond, Mr. Dettelbeck. Mr. Yost, you advocated to change Ohio law to allow your office to do a performance audit of Jobs Ohio, a move Governor John Kasich and many GOP lawmakers had resisted. Why do you feel it's important, and why do you advocate for any further, or, and do you advocate for any further involvement by the Attorney General in oversight of the Jobs Ohio program? Look, I haven't uh, changed my position since uh, 2012 when I had a fight with the governor and the legislature and lost. They passed a law uh, saying that public money wasn't public money. Um, but I think that the uh, attorney general represents the state of Ohio, and the attorney general's office uh, is not the primary place where that oversight needs to occur. Uh, I believe that the auditor state is where that function properly, uh, properly lies. But you know, uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, I have done a lot to try to get changes in the law. Uh, and unlike uh, Jobs Ohio, most of them have been much more successful. One of the things I'm proudest about is that I was able to convince the legislature in 2015 to put a constitutional amendment on the ballot so we would no longer receive these uh, fake AstroTurf uh, voter initiatives funneled by big money to create cartels, monopoly interests, whether we're talking about marijuana as we were that year or casinos. Uh, that ended because the voters saw the wisdom of putting an anti-monopoly provision in the Ohio Constitution. I'm proud of the fact that I was able to get that done and uh, that we have protected Ohio through that. Mr. Duttelbeck, to respond? Yes, uh, but I first want to take a couple seconds to respond to what Mr. Yost said, which was just horrible, to try to politicize the opioid crisis in Ohio, which is what he's been doing in the campaign constantly. And it's, it's a disservice to the people of Ohio. Uh, we need people who can bring people together on this problem, not rip them apart. To blame somebody who says, oh, you're, you're, you're the cause of the opioid crisis, that doesn't help people. And, and you talk about this issue differently to different people. You know, I heard you in Ohio State University talk to a crowd, and you were talking to, about people who were addicted. You kept on calling them junkies. Over and over, you called people who were addicted. They're not junkies. They're mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers. And that kind of dog whistle politics just doesn't cut it. With respect to Jobs Ohio, uh, Mr. Yost should get credit for trying to audit Jobs Ohio when he first started. But he should get blamed for giving up. He didn't stick with it. And of course, when did he bring his proposal back up? Like a typical politician, in election year, he started talking about it again. 
Okay, and this is, question is for you, Mr. Dettelback, which means you get 60 seconds to respond, Mr. Yost. As Assistant U.S. Attorney, you were one of the chief architects of the consent decree governing reform of Cleveland Police. What did you learn from that process that you think could be applied statewide? Well, what I learned from that process is what I learned in my 20 years as a prosecutor, and I believe firmly now. In these kinds of issues, there's no us and them. There's only us. That's why I brought together people from all different parts of the community to try to work on making policing safer and making our community safer. And it's why the FOP has endorsed me to be the Attorney General of the state of Ohio. But I also have strong support in the minority community. That's what leaders do, we bring people together. When I was US Attorney, there were tough times. There was distrust between certain communities and certain police departments. And I worked to bring people together to address the issue. We have to do better on training of police officers. Right now, under the current administration, Mr. Yost and his friends have zeroed out the training budget for police officers in the state of Ohio. We've sent BCI agents in the Attorney General's office out without bulletproof vests. Now, we have to do better than that. And we can do better than that. You don't divide people on this issue. You try to bring them together. And we did that in Cleveland. We have a consent decree that while it's not perfect and has detractors, actually gets police better training. It actually gets police more resources. Police officer injuries have gone down, and the community is starting to work together better. We can do that, not necessarily a consent decree, but help the police and help the community to come together in all of Ohio. Police want a leader. That's why they want me as the Attorney General, and frankly, Hi. they're terrified that you might be. Mr. Yost, your 60-second response. It's interesting that he talks about bringing together, and this is the same fellow that uh, has been telling people that I'm responsible for the uh, opiate uh, epidemic in his tweets. Uh, but let's leave that beside. Here's something that actually did bring people together. Criminal discovery. It's a process by which you find out what the evidence is against you in a criminal trial under state rule. And for 40 years, the criminal bar and the defense bar fought over this. And they complained it was too closed, that they couldn't get justice because they couldn't see what the evidence was. I was the one that was on the Supreme Court Commission. I was a prosecutor at the time. And I drafted the new criminal rule 16, which has been in place for the last six years and is widely uh, acclaimed to have produced more just, more reliable results in our criminal system by both sides uh, of the litigation. Okay. That's going to that's bringing people together. This next question is for both of you. Going first to you, Mr. Yost. The cybersecurity firm McAfee calls cybercrime a pandemic, costing the world six hundred billion dollars last year. In addition, there are growing concerns about election security. What role do you see Ohio's Attorney General's office playing in defending Ohio governments, individuals, institutions, and businesses? Well, it has to be a, a leading role. Uh, and in fact, I'm the one that has a record on this matter. Uh, our office has been, for the last several years, training local governments uh, about cybersecurity uh, because we've seen attacks against the uh, records and the financial systems of local governments all across the state. Uh, in fact, uh, that information was so valuable that law enforcement came to us and asked whether we would do training to teach them how to prosecute cybercrime. And in fact, we've been doing that all over the state. It's one of our best attended trainings, uh, and we've received a great reaction uh, from it. Another example of uh, working together. I'll task BCI and I and the attorneys in the office to make sure that we continue building those bridges and training law enforcement and the local governments and the state agencies that we represent. Uh, and I will work with uh, uh, interdisciplinary uh, and interjurisdictional agencies to make sure that the people, the cyber creeps who are uh, pulling these uh, frauds off are held to account and uh, brought before the bar of law. Okay, Mr. Dettelback, what do you see as the Attorney General's role? Yeah, it has to be a leading role, uh, and, and, and I've done this. 
So as United States Attorney for the Northern District of Ohio, I actually established the first cybercrime unit in the history of any U.S. Attorney's Office in the state of Ohio. It was actually headed by the fellow who now is President Trump's U.S. Attorney, uh, Justin Herndon at the time, because it was a national security issue. And we did cases, but we did more than do cases, and that's what we need to do in Ohio. Uh, we actually brought together the business and governmental sectors, and we established a nationally model uh, organization called the Northeast Ohio Cyber Consortium. The FBI helped lead it, I helped lead it, and then we went to our friends in the, in the private sector. The Cleveland Clinic was one of the leaders. Uh, the uh, Eaton Corp was one of the leaders. And Case Western Reserve University, we had established a special training track so that we could teach people in our community how to be cybersecurity specialists so we could attract businesses and help our community to do a better job. They get together still. On, I guess it's called Cyber Tuesdays, where real-time sharing of hacking is going on between different people. And by the way, our current Attorney General, Mike DeWine, he copied this program and is doing it a similar thing in parts of Ohio, and I'm glad he did. I don't care whether you're Republican or Democrat. The opioid crisis is today's crisis. Cybersecurity is not even tomorrow's crisis. It's this evening's crisis. We have to make sure government's safe. Big business is safe, but also that small and mid-sized employers are getting the help they need. The attorney general should be on the front lines in bringing people together, Time. and I have the experience to do that. All right. We'll be getting to audience questions in a few minutes, but one more for me. Um, and this starts with you, Mr. Dettelbach. Criticism of the awarding of unbid contracts by the Attorney General's office comes up during political campaigns every four years. But the AG's office was lambasted last year as well by the State Controlling Board for failing to provide comparative information on dozens of firms seeking the contracts. You've both talked about a need to review the process. Why is that a priority? And what changes do you anticipate making? So we have to make sure it's an open process. We have to make sure uh, that, that people are actually knowing why individuals and businesses are getting picked to do business with the state of Ohio, and that I'll do. But we also have to make sure that we have people running our government who have a track record of not being career politicians. And respectfully, there's a big difference in this race on that. It starts with the people, and Mr. Yost has taken money from people he's investigating. He's taken money in this election from the marijuana industry just a couple weeks after he issued a report that was critical of the bidding process, and the people who didn't get the contracts threw him a $70,000 fundraiser a few weeks later. You know, we, we have to make sure if we're gonna change what happens in Columbus, that we change the people who are down in Columbus. Because the one party rule system in the State House Square just hasn't worked. Now, in terms of making sure that the process is open, you know, I will tell you flat out, the entire campaign finance process that we have in this country, in this state, and I bet you this is an area of strong agreement, is a troubling process. It's not just the special counsel work, it's everything that goes on, right? And we should take a look all at trying to make sure we're doing better at that process, but the reality is it's legal for people to make these donations and making sure that we're rewarding contracts based on merit and making sure we have the people in these jobs who are not too political is the single most important reform. Mr. Yost? Well, I uh, actually have led. I have a record here because 40% of the auditor state's work is actually carried out by contract with private firms. Uh, and in fact, what we worry about in the auditor state's office is very simple. Are we getting the value of the professional services for the taxpayer money that's being paid? That's all we care about. And I've done it for eight years. The fact of the matter is uh, there's only one of us on this stage that has actually awarded these contracts uh, and done so uh, Well, that's true. Only one of us has matter. awarded them. That's and for sure. So, so let's talk about receiving campaign contributions for a minute. Uh, the firm that is fighting against Ohio in the opiate lawsuit that's representing Big Pharma, their lawyers have given my opponent $130,000 in this campaign. That money represents a violation of his own ethics plan that he put out uh, as a press release with much fanfare. Uh, but under his plan, he would already be disqualified because he received that money. Now, as he noted, it's legal. It's not illegal. 
but his high horse uh, proclamations of virtue ring a little bit hollow when I see all of those zeros ringing Sorry. on the cash register. Can I respond for 30 no. seconds to that? Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm ML Schultz, and I'm the boss. Right. Uh -huh. And you're doing a fine job. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I'm also reporter and retired digital editor for 89.7 WKSU, and today we're listening to a debate between the candidates for Attorney General of Ohio, Steve Dettelbach and Dave Yost. We're about to head into the audience question and answer period. Audience questions were pre-selected by the City Club Debate Committee earlier this week. We'll also take one question from social media. If you'd like to submit a question for consideration, please tweet it to at the City Club and use the hashtag OH hyphen AG hyphen debate. Can we have the first question? Oh, sorry. Good afternoon. My name is Vince Lombardo, and I was an assistant Ohio Attorney General for 27 years. During this campaign, both of you have focused on issues of law enforcement and consumer protection. However, the vast majority of the work done by the office does not involve those areas. The office has 28 sections, and most employees do necessary and important work like defending the state in civil cases, collecting money for the state, enforcing the Ohio Civil Rights Act, and so much more. The employees in those other sections are often unrecognized, unheralded, and unsupported. Can you name one section of the office that does not involve law enforcement or consumer protection for which you plan to provide more attention and support? Mr. Dettelbeck? I'm limited to one, huh? Well, I'll, I'll talk, there are many, but I'll talk about one that's near and dear to my heart, which is uh, civil rights enforcement. So civil rights enforcement is the great unfinished business of our state and our nation. And I have spent many years of my career uh, enforcing those laws. Why? Because it's the promise of our country that there's no person in our country who's below the law's protection, that the law protects every single person, no matter how vulnerable. I actually founded the first ever civil rights unit in the United States Attorney's Office in the Northern District of Ohio. I traveled around the country when I was young in my career to places in the Deep South, the West, the North, enforcing our civil rights laws. We have to make sure we're staying true to that promise in Ohio, and I know how to do this. We need to make sure that we have people in those jobs who are both effective and reasonable and aggressive. We need to hold landlords accountable like I did when I was U.S. Attorney, when they turn people away just because of their race. We need to make sure uh, that we're making sure that the promise of employment in Ohio, that jobs aren't, aren't given out because people look a certain way or pray a certain way. And I did hate crimes enforcement as well. And that's something I've called for in this campaign. Now that's a little bit of a criminal, but I mean it overlaps with the civil rights and it's important to make sure that the rule of law is there to protect the people in Toledo who had their mosque burned down, the people in the African American church in Conneaut that we prosecuted. All over this state, people depend on their attorney general to protect their rights. I have a record of doing it, and Hi. I'll do it as attorney general. Mr. Yost? Well, the fact of the matter is I love the weeds. My uh, staff accuses me of spending too much time there, but I don't think that you can actually do the job if you don't learn uh, what's going on in a very detailed way. So uh, not to dodge your question, I'll answer it uh, and, and name one. But the fact of the matter is, everybody that works in the Attorney General's office can expect to receive support and attention from Dave Yost when he's Attorney General. And, and Vince, thank you for your service to the people of Ohio. I appreciate that. Uh, you're right, uh, Assistant Attorney Generals are frequently unheralded heroes. So the one area, or among all these areas, one area that I think that I will uh, spend a great deal of time on is antitrust. Um, it is an area that's languished, but it is an area that uh, with recent news and developments in our society, I think we'll be seeing much more about from the, uh, the CVS Aetna merger, uh, which was recently uh, okayed by the federal government, but about which I still have questions, um, to the very real questions about what appear to be uh, modern-day railroad trusts arising in the information sector uh, with certain of the uh, information giants. Uh, I think that this is an area uh, that will be uh, in the news and uh, at the forefront of policymaking in the next uh, four years. Okay, the next audience question. 
Hi, I'm Becky Rupert McMahon. I'm the Chief Executive of the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association and Bar Foundation. The Attorney General is the Chief Law Officer for the State of Ohio, charged with protecting the most vulnerable in our communities, while also supporting local law enforcement agencies. Season three of the Serial Podcast has focused a national spotlight on our county's criminal justice system. What are your thoughts about the information coming out of these podcasts? And what, if anything, do you believe the Attorney General's office should do in response to what our city, the state, and our entire country are learning about how those who come into contact with the criminal justice system in our county and beyond, from the police through the court system, are treated? Mr. Yost, you're first. Well, thank you. And let me first say that everyone that comes into contact with the court system or with law enforcement is entitled to be treated with dignity and respect and to expect professionalism on the part of the people that they interact with. Uh, and that is a matter about which the state of Ohio has uh, not just skin in the game, but is, uh, I think, a paramount uh, matter of concern. So the Attorney General ought to be using the full force of the office to lead on that area, to bring people together. I'm an admirer of uh, a program that the FOP has done in the state of Indiana with the Attorney General there, Curtis Hill, um, that is uh, where they are partnering to help educate people about the nature of law enforcement encounters um, and how to do that successfully. That being said, I want to make sure that none of us lose the fact, lose sight of the fact that law enforcement officers almost always get it right. Now, don't get me wrong, there are too many instances that we've heard about where something went horribly wrong, and those cases need to be addressed. But the people that put a badge on their chest and a target on their back when they go to work every day are uh, they deserve the presumption of good faith uh, in their Sorry. daily actions. Mr. Dettelbeck? So I'll admit to you, I haven't watched uh, or listened to, to Serial, uh, although uh, I will tell you, I'll, I'll give, give my anonymous status. I guess I was mentioned in episode one. She called me and I said, you just make sure you don't be mean to Cleveland. Uh, um, uh, and I think I was mentioned in another episode as well. Um, Look, um, criminal justice reform and access to the courts are major issues, and your attorney general should be front and center on these things. But it's not just about that problem that Mr. Yost was talking about, that issue of police community interactions. At every stage of the process, both criminal and civil, we're underperforming. So let me start with civil. You know, when I left being U.S. attorney, people call you to be on all sorts of boards, and somebody told me, don't say yes until six months. I only said yes to one thing. It was to be on the legal aid board for the city of Cleveland. We need to make sure we're giving people who are losing their homes, who are in domestic abuse situations, access to our courts, and we are not doing it. On the criminal side, beginning at the very beginning of the process until the end, I've worked to improve and we need to improve every stage. Bail reform is something that's very important. We don't have debtor's prison in this country. People should be in jail if they're dangerous, not just because they're poor. Charging reform we need to work on. You know, and we need to make sure that we're doing a good job on sentencing reform. Mr. Yost and I talked a little bit about that. I'll take anybody's idea, Democrat or Republican, and I have called for establishing a bipartisan commission to look top to bottom at our criminal justice system, bring together people on my first day in office, and I'll do it. Time. The next audience question. My name is David Tryon. I'm an attorney here in town. Over the past several years, during both the Obama and Trump presidencies, some states and cities have been reluctant to enforce certain federal policies or to cooperate with the federal government on its enforcement actions on drugs, environmental protection, immigration, and other areas of the law. Will you, as Attorney General, cooperate with federal law enforcement across the board as they enforce the law, or, you will, be, or will you be selective in your cooperation? If you are selective, what principle of law will you use to selectively enforce federal laws? Mr. Dettelbeck? Well, yes, I'll be cooperative, and I've spent 20 years working with state and local prosecutors and law enforcement across the country and across this state. We need to work together. We need to cooperate to get things done. But the truth of the matter is, is that federal government sets enforcement priorities. 
Sometimes those enforcement priorities match what's best for the people of Ohio. Sometimes they don't. I'll give you an example. As U.S. Attorney, when I was here, one of the big enforcement priorities was protecting people in Indian country, right? Um, people on reservations. We don't have any Indian country in my district, all right? You know, the, the only Indians that we have sadly aren't playing anymore, right? <laughs> you know? So you look and you make sure as a state official that you're prioritizing your limited resources on things that matter to the people that are facing public safety uh, concerns. And by the way, they're not the same all over the state, right? Local prosecutors, local police chiefs, they may have different priorities even across this great state of Ohio. Something important in Cleveland might not be important in Chillicothe or Lima where my dad grew up or Lorraine where my mom grew up. You know? So we have a vastly different system. But yes, you have to cooperate and, and, and it can't be politicized. I think that's the key thing, right? If everybody's picking priorities with their resources and you're, and you're picking them based on what really affects the people that you're serving and not just based on making some political point, you know, then you're doing the right thing even if you're not prioritizing the same thing. That's what I've done as U.S. Attorney. That's what I'll do as Attorney General. Okay, Mr. Yost. Thank you, and I want to commend you, Steve, for accepting the uh, unpaid uh, board position at Legal Aid. Uh, I served in Columbus you on know. the Legal Aid Society, and I think that uh, all of us uh, in the profession have a duty to uh, do something for the underserved population. Uh, with regards to your idea for a bipartisan commission, uh, it already happened, and the report is sitting on a shelf right now. I'm hoping that it will be brought up by the next uh, General Assembly session, but the codification commission uh, was broadly based and worked for a couple of years to produce its report. You might want to read it. Uh, with regards to the question, it's important that the Attorney General not pick and choose uh, which parts of the law they're going to uphold. The uh, fact of the matter is there's no accept if I agree clause in the oath of office. I'll work with ICE. I'll work with federal law enforcement. I'll work with state and local law enforcement to get the job done. My opponent, however, when he was United States Attorney and had the authority to do it, uh, actually saw a decrease and the number of improper re-entry by illegal aliens uh, prosecutions by half. I think that we have a attorney general candidate who wants to pick and choose what he wants to do. May I respond? Uh, no. It's a direct accusation about my record that's false. It's we'll okay. get there. We'll get there. Um, I, I will interject a question here for each of you for 30 seconds. Um, Mr. Dettelback, talk about the role, the relationship between the federal government and locals on immigration issues. Sure. Well, of course the federal government has the lead on immigration issues, and I worked with ICE extensively and brought many cases. I brought a case uh, with ICE involving Trillium Egg Farms in Marion, Ohio, where Guatemalan kids were getting smuggled into this country and made to work against their will. We sent those people to jail on case after case. I worked side by side with people on that. But this is an issue that is important for me, not just on a legal level, but on a personal level and on an economic level. So. Time. <laughs> oh. 30 seconds. Thank you. Uh, the fact of the matter is that came right from the clerk of courts, uh, federal clerk of courts website, those statistics. Uh, and anyone can log on and see them for what they are. Uh, the fact of the matter is uh, the federal government doesn't just have the lead. They have the constitutional responsibility for immigration. There was an Obama administration uh, era decision out of Arizona that said that it's exclusively a federal uh, jurisdiction. And that uh, we probably should Hi. talk about sanctuary cities at some point. Okay, but first we'll get to the other audience question we've got. Good afternoon. My name is Katherine Brandt. I'm a partner with Thompson Hine and a member of the Board of Directors of the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center. Gentlemen, currently law enforcement officials in Ohio are not required to receive specialized training related to trauma before being assigned to units serving special victims such as those including sex crimes, child abuse, and domestic violence. Do you plan to address this? And if so, how? Okay, this goes first to Mr. Yost. 
Thank you for that question. And the fact of the matter is that trauma informs uh, the actions that should or could be taken, both by the wraparound services that hopefully will be available to these survivors, uh, but also how they're treated in the justice system. I have a uh, family member that works in uh, the uh, human trafficking court in uh, Columbus, and I'm very familiar with how trauma changes uh, our behaviors, the way we view the world, even how we tell our story, and whether other people find it believable. So I think that the training uh, that you mentioned is indispensable. Uh, we certainly used uh, uh, training in when I was prosecuting attorney, uh, for example, to uh, train on autism with lo local law enforcement. Uh, I'll do the same thing through OPADA, the Ohio Police Officers Training Academy, which is part of the Attorney General's office, uh, and we will lead on that issue. Uh, I would finally uh, say that we really need to think about uh, how we interact with all of the folks that are in the system. Because the fact of the matter is we all see the world very differently and our experiences uh, and our understanding impact what we say and how we act. Okay, Mr. Gettleback. On Mr. Yost and Mr. DeWine's watch, the training budget has been zeroed out for law enforcement officers in Ohio. There was no audit, there was no screaming, there was nothing, just zeroed out, right? The 2% of money that was supposed to go to local law enforcement from the casinos got diverted, got diverted to state law enforcement. And you'll hear about it, I've heard about it every day from local law enforcement officers across this state. There has to be accountability from the chief accountability officer. It can't just be that he has superpowers, right? Whenever it is that something good happens, but when something bad happens and it happened on his watch, it has nothing to do with him. Now, with respect to the specific question you asked, first of all, I, I love the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center. The work you do is incredible work. And uh, with the one exception of singing at your sing out, I think I've always been good at helping. Uh, but, the, but I will tell you this, the STAR program that you have there really mirrors something I did as U.S. Attorney that I'll do as Attorney General, which is my work on human trafficking. So I've worked on human trafficking before it was even called human trafficking. It was called involuntary servitude and slavery. And as United States Attorney, when I started, the FBI called me, they said, we're not doing any cases. When I left, we had done dozens and dozens of federal prosecutions in human trafficking. We had started up task forces in Toledo and Cleveland, which did have officers who knew how to talk to these most vulnerable victims, often children, on that first night to make sure that we're taking care of them. I proposed a specific plan about making sure that we not only work with victims to present their cases in court, but to support their needs out of court, right? Better housing, more grants, the kinds of things that you've advocated for at the Rape Crisis Center. It's work that I know how to do, it's important work, and we need to make sure law enforcement is supported in doing that work. Okay, um, this last question comes back to me. Um, the Ohio Attorney General's Office has filed suit over the Affordable Care Act and some other issues against federal policy, federal law, federal policy. How should the Attorney General's Office determine what lawsuits to advocate and to join against federal policy and laws? Mr. Yost? So the Attorney General's Office ought to look at what's the harm to Ohio? The Attorney General's Office ought to look, is there a constitutional issue or a uh, prosecution issue. What they should not do is use the office for politics. It should not be used to relitigate every political question that you feel you're on the losing end of or your friends are on the losing end of. The, now, I think that the, uh, the Affordable Care Act litigation has uh, been resolved in King versus Burwell. That's the law of the land. I do not support the Republican Attorney General's current lawsuit uh, and would not join it. But I also think that uh, neither the Republicans nor the Democrats have this one right. The fact of the matter is I support the protections for people with pre-existing conditions. My wife has a pre-existing condition. 
and I am appalled at the politicization of this issue on both sides. We have broad agreement in both parties and among the general population of this country that people with pre-existing conditions ought to be protected as a matter of law. And I call upon the Congress today to enact legislation to make it very clear that no American of any age, of any background, should ever be denied treatment or lose coverage because of a pre-existing condition. Mr. Dettelback? Mr. Yost's record doesn't match his words on this issue about not being political. As Auditor of State, he launched an audit and investigation of Planned Parenthood of Ohio, wasted untold taxpayer dollars because he wanted to prove a political point. And it's just not the right use of the office. And quite frankly, to be told about, hey, how to be nonpartisan by Dave Yost after all of the things, after ECOT, after that, is like getting advice from the Russians on how to install your antivirus software. You know, it just does not match with the facts. And the case that really shows what's happening right now on that is exactly the one he said, which is healthcare. He doesn't agree with the Supreme Court that twice has ruled that the Affordable Care Act is the law of the land. And so therefore, his best thing that he can say is he won't go against his other Republican attorney generals. Look, we live in a state where our Republican governor, John Kasich, did the right thing and took Medicaid expansion for the state of Ohio. The Affordable Care Act protects 700,000 Ohioans' health insurance. 4.8 million Ohioans need that to protect their pre-existing conditions. The attorney general of this state shouldn't be neutral. When I'm the attorney general, I'm going to go down to Texas, and I'm going to fight in that Texas court to protect the health care of 5 million of my fellow Ohioans. And if you're not willing to do it, and if you're not good enough to make a difference, Mr. Ghost, let somebody who will help Ohio do it. Okay. Our final question, and then we'll be getting to closing statements. Given that for the first time in eight years, Ohio may have a divided government, what demonstrates best your ability to link across the aisle? Mr. Dettelback? We're very different candidates. With respect, I'm a career prosecutor and Mr. Yost is a career politician. This is my first time ever running for office. This is Mr. Yost's seventh time in a row, seventh election in a row running for office for five jobs he's had that are all political jobs. Mr. Yost has always chosen those political jobs. I worked at the Department of Justice. I started out in the Bush administration, the first Bush, and then I went and worked in the Clinton administration, then I worked in the second Bush administration, and then I served as a US attorney in the Obama administration. And I've done tough things and crossed party lines to do them. I've prosecuted public corruption cases involving both Democrats and Republicans. I have taken on cases that involve working with Republican state prosecutors all over this state, county prosecutors who don't even know each other's party when we do those things. And Mr. Yost has not. Mr. Yost was one of five people who gerrymandered the state of Ohio in the district lines for the state house. He was in a room, he held secret meetings, and he had the power to stand up for the people of Ohio, and instead he raised his hand for the party bosses. Then he left the room and he said, oh, we need to reform the process. That's like Jesse James walking out of the bank with the money and saying, hey, you need a better safe in there. It, it is just Time. not appropriate. Mr. Yost, what best demonstrates your ability to work across the aisle? Well, I've already talked about the anti-monopoly amendment. I've talked about the legislation, the reform legislation that we've passed. Uh, I talked about criminal rule 16. Uh, that, with respect, is a detailed record of working across the aisle. But my opponent answer to this was nothing but partisan politics. Uh, he asserted that he worked uh, across the aisle, but then he went on and attacked uh, every Republican he could think of. Uh, the fact of the matter is he'll be the most political uh, attorney general this state's ever had. And it's not surprising. He received a political appointment to the state judiciary, or to the uh, Senate Judicial Committee. Uh, he uh, was on the Democratic National Committee, Platform Committee, and he tweeted out that it was the most progressive platform in American history. 
Those are not the actions of a career prosecutor, just like the fact that drug prosecutions under his term in office dropped by a third while, opiate, uh, while the opiate epidemic raged out of control. He's not a career pro uh, prosecutor. He is a politician who has his eye on higher office, and everything he's done has been calculated with the future in mind. Okay, just, I'm showing my age. I completely forgot about social media. So, social media question? I didn't show my age. What a surprise. Okay, we are now going to closings, and again, predicated on that coin toss, Mr. Dettelback will begin, and Mr. Yost will get the last word. Well, first, I want to thank the City Club for hosting this debate, and I want to thank my family uh, for being with me during this campaign. Uh, thank you, honey. I really appreciate it. During a debate or during a campaign, it's, it's easy to say anything. Don't look at what we say. Listen to what, look at what we have done. Look at our records. Because the evidence shows that there is a clear difference between us. He can say it all he wants. I've been a career prosecutor. It's what I've done for two decades. None of those were political appointments. Those were career prosecutors' jobs that I worked in Republican and Democratic administrations on. And Mr. Yost has run for office after office after office after office. For him to sort of accuse me of trying to climb the ladder, you said it at the Republican convention when you took out your guitar. You were born to run. I, Mr. Yost, was born to serve. And I've spent two decades doing it. I've been independent. I've done tough things. I've taken on drug companies and recovered hundreds of millions of dollars. I've taken on terrorism cases. I've taken on the problem of human trafficking all over the country and in the state. And I have worked on opioid issues and gotten results. Mr. Yost has been political. It's just a fact. He ran for partisan office, so I suppose it's to be expected. But he was the one who had ECOT's back and took their campaign contributions while he was investigating them. It's totally unacceptable. He was the one who gerrymandered the state in secret meetings. He was a reporter. Reporter Yost would have had his hair on fire if he had looked at what Auditor Yost and gerrymanderer Yost had done. My biggest wins of my whole career have always come in the courtroom. Your biggest wins, Mr. Yost, with respect, have always come on election night, and then you've disappointed. That's not what Ohio needs. Ohio needs an attorney general who has the passion and experience and independence to bring Ohio forward and to bring Ohio together. If you make me the attorney general of this state, I promise you every day I'll keep working to represent you. Mr. Yost. Thank you. With respect, Steve, your biggest wins mostly didn't come. In the Mahoning Valley, while corruption was rampant, he was on duty, but he did nothing. With the resources of the United States government, the FBI, a federal grand jury, he brought no cases. It was left to the auditor's state to investigate and to bring those corrupt politicians to justice. Illegal reentry by uh, aliens dropped by half. His job, his job description was to enforce that law drug prosecutions, and I backed out marijuana. This is just non-marijuana prosecutions dropped by a third. I'm reminded of a song by Pete Seeger. To everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time of war, a time of peace. I've demonstrated today, and I could go on if we have more time, about the things I've done, Criminal Rule 16, the legislative changes, the constitutional amendment to bring people together across party lines, difficult work that produced actual results. We have a lot of division, a lot of incivility out there. In my office, and the back hall that leads to the conference room, I'm the only one that goes there, there hangs three plaques recognizing the work that I did to bring together the warring factions of the prosecution of the defense bar to reform criminal discovery in Ohio. One's from the criminal defense lawyers, one's from the prosecutors association, and the third one's from the Supreme Court. I would suggest to you that anyone that can amass that record can work to bring Ohio back together again, and that's what we need. 
My name's Dave Yost, and I'm asking for your vote tonight. Thank you. Okay, and now you all get to applaud. And now for the closing credits. Today at the City Club, we're listening to a debate between candidates for Attorney General of Ohio, Steve Dettelback and Dave Yost. The community partners for today's debate include the League of Women Voters of Greater Cleveland and the Racy Bliss Institute of Applied Politics at the University of Akron. We appreciate your partnership. Additionally, we welcome guests and tables hosted by Baker Hostetler, Benish Friedlander Copeland and Aronoff LLP, Bullock Besser, Glesius LLC, the Cleveland Rape Crisis Center, Davios for Attorney General, Naral Pro-Choice Ohio, and RMS Corporation. And lastly, we welcome the students from the Cleveland School of Architecture and Design. Student participation in City Club forums is provided by many foundations, including the William N. Weiss Foundation, and we thank all of you for being here today. That brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you, Mr. Dettelbach and Mr. Yost. Thank everyone for joining us today. This forum is now adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University, the Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.